You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is good? It's your boy, Sosa Commanders of Pro Football Focus and Fantasy Pros. I guess it's basically official now. I'm your new host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Today's episode is going to be a really dope one. It's going to be a jam-packed one. I got someone who I'm super excited to interview and someone who I think you guys will thoroughly enjoy listening to, all right? I guess without further ado, we may as well just hop right into it and let me introduce my guy, my guy, Kev Masaregian. He's a writer for Rotoballer. He's a frequent podcaster. He covers the NFL. And like me, he also covers the NFL through a fantasy football perspective, all right? You can find him on Twitter, at Rotosurgeon. That's one word. Surgeon, S-U-R-G-E-O-N, nothing too difficult there. Anyways, Kev, my guy, how are you? Hey, Sosa, good to hear from you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm doing well, nothing too crazy. Just went to the dentist today, looking good, no cavities. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy. There you go. That's a clean slate then. I guess we may as well just hop right into it. Um, We're going to begin just talking about the defense a little bit and just seeing how uh, what they what you think about them uh, entering the 2020 season. Is there any um, like weak spot in particular that concerns you or or what are your what are just your general thoughts of the defense as a whole entering the 2020 season? Are you um, expecting them to potentially improve from their performance last season or do you expect maybe a, a step back? Um, I think it really depends on how we cover the inside linebacker position because obviously losing Corey Littleton is a huge, huge loss for the defense because he was basically, he was like not the heart and soul because we had Aaron Donald, but in the middle of the field covering for a weaker secondary before Jalen Ramsey got there, covering for like a younger safety core. He was our guy. We saw how effective he was in the Super Bowl. He had that pick against Tom Brady. He was looking like a future stud, but we chose not to pay him because obviously we have so many other positions. I don't want to say of more importance, but just with Goff, with what we paid Gurley, unfortunately, our wide receivers who are going to have to get paid, and uh, Ramsey now. It's just uh, it's a, it's a consequential loss, and it sucks, but... If we can cover that linebacker position, I think we're pretty strong in the front and the back end. We have some low-key studs in the secondary that could take care of those tight ends and running backs that need to be covered with the loss of uh, Littleton there. But yeah, it all depends. It all goes back to what we can do at linebacker. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It uh, it hurt to see Littleton go. You, you knew he was going to get paid. And, and to be honest, I thought uh, he was going to receive more than he did on the open uh, market, to be honest. But um, it, it, it was a big loss for sure. It, it kind of feels like the Roger Saffold loss from a year back. You know it's going to hurt moving forward. You know that's a guy you want to keep. He's a homegrown talent. He's the whole deal. He's the whole package. But at the end of the day, like you said, there is a salary cap. And unfortunately for the Rams and for Littleton, they just chose to allocate those resources elsewhere. And so that's kind of what opened the door for Littleton leaving. But with that being said, do you believe the defense is maybe too superstar heavy or do you think that they have enough talent to kind of be, uh, you know, more well balanced? Because like you said, they do have Jalen Ramsey now. They obviously have Aaron Donald. But when you look past those guys, there's a lot of, um, you know, like up and comers and stuff like that or, or guys that don't even have much experience that are potentially slated to become starters this season. Um, so what do you think about that? 
obviously Aaron Donald, best defensive player in the NFL, maybe one of the best defensive players of all time. He's in his prime. We're going to get the production from him as we've seen for the past uh, over half decade now since we drafted him out of pit. So I'm not worried about the front. Uh, the, the Our interior is as strong as ever. I believe Ashawn Robinson's on the non-football injury list. I forgot what exactly happened to him, but that's a huge loss uh, because he was going to be that run stuffer in the middle. Not that that's the most important thing, but it would have helped having that depth. Um, I think just we are a little superstar heavy where we're going to have to be rely on Jalen Ramsey and Donald to cover their ends a good bit given that we do have some youth in the secondary we have talent but it it is young so we're going to need Jalen Ramsey to do his one-on-one shutdown coverage play a little better than he did last year where he was more so above average than elite as we've seen from past seasons so we're gonna we're gonna be superstar reliant but I wouldn't say we're superstar heavy because we do have legit young talent and we brought Brockers back after he uh decided I don't know what happened with the Ravens did he opt out of the contract and come back to us or he failed the physical I forgot what happened can you remind me yeah I believe it was a failed physical and then ultimately Mm -hmm. he just found his way back yeah yeah so that's one of those situations where we got a good uh we got a good body back in the front so we have uh like sealant around the team we're not we don't have too many holes outside of that inside linebacker spot losing Fowler sucks. He was so good for us the past couple of years, especially uh, on like, like out of nowhere run defense. I didn't even know he was that good of a run defender, honestly, but uh, it turns out he covered us pretty well on the outside. Leonard Floyd is a downgrade, but he was a project coming out of college out of Georgia. Uh, maybe he's more developed now, maybe with uh, our new DC Brandon Staley, he could take a step forward. We don't know. But um, there are certainly pieces there. I like our draft picks um, on the back end with uh, Jordan Fuller and Terrell Burgess. Hopefully we see more three safety looks, but we'll see. We got to see how it looks uh, once the season starts. Yeah, I I generally agree with you there. I mean, you got arguably two of the best players in the league in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And after them, I mean, probably a lot of fans uh, around the league might not know certain names, but uh, the Rams damn sure know guys like John Johnson and, um, you know, Troy Hill, even and Michael Brockers. These are guys that are going to step up and that have proven in the past that they can step up. I think obviously there are certain positions where, you know, maybe I wouldn't necessarily say that the talent is lacking, but there's definitely a lack of production and a lack of experience potentially at that inside linebacker spot. And even, you know, the edge rusher spot. But outside of that, I think they definitely can field an intriguing defense. It might not be a top five defense, but something that could be opportunistic and kind of force turnovers at a rapid rate and just hang around enough for the offense to score and kind of cover the grounds. But coming up in just a moment, Kevin and I are going to discuss the Rams' running back situation and how head coach Sean McVay and OC Kevin O'Connell might divvy up the workload among those guys. It's obviously something very interesting to look at. Um, it's going to have big consequences potentially. And uh, especially when you think about it in a fantasy football scope, which is something me and Kev obviously covers. So you're not going to want to miss it. And while we've got you come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the LA Rams. You can find me at QB's MVP. You can find the locked on Rams page at locked on Rams, and you can find Kev at Roto surgeon. Folks, are you having any car troubles? You ever go outside and find your tires flat or your car just won't start? Well, you should absolutely check out rockauto.com for your service needs. Rock Auto is a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Yes, 
20 years. There isn't a better time than right now to support a family-owned business. Let's be real. With all this COVID stuff going on and everything like that, if you're a professional or if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you're looking for reliably low prices, you absolutely need to go check out Rock Auto right now. Go to their website and check out all of their available parts. It's honestly never-ending. And if your car needs it, they've probably got it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com and right locked on in there. How did you hear about us? So they know that we sent you. Welcome back, gentle listeners. As my guy Kevin, I both write and cover fantasy football. Obviously, it only made sense to delve into some interesting topics regarding the Rams and their fantasy football outlook. That's why we're going to kind of look at this running back situation and see how, you know, the muddied waters clear up as we get closer to the season and how the workloads and everything like that shakes out. With um, the running back situation kind of being a big question mark right now. Do you think Cam Akers seizes the starting spot or do you think it's kind of uh, going to be more of like a work share or like a 50-50 kind of thing? Uh, I think out the gates, we do see a work share. I, I don't think they're going to be all the way in on Akers from week one, especially with obviously COVID happening and shutting down camps uh, delaying them and no preseason and it's not going to be one of those things where we see it season long cam Akers is clear cut the best running back in the rams backfield this is undeniable i will not hear any arguments for daryl henderson i will not hear any arguments for malcolm brown who to his credit has carried a decent share of the workload for the past couple years but he's never seen more than 65 rushes he had a good season in 2018 averaging 4.9 yards per carry but that's when we had one of our better offensive line units that was before we lost roger saffold when we made the super bowl he isn't that running back he's been more so bad than he's been good so i'm not worried about malcolm brown he's probably going to be the starter week one out of some sort of uh pageantry just like hey this guy's been here this whole uh, time he's like a coach's favorite but he's not a good enough player to start season long uh daryl henderson we did draft and we traded up for him last year we went up in round three but i believe he was more of a panic hedge on Todd Gurley last season where we were like, okay, this guy can maybe take over for Gurley if need be, if Gurley's knee acts up and misses games. Gurley didn't miss any games. And now we're in a, we were in a position in round two when we really shouldn't have drafted a running back in round two, but we went out, we got one of the most talented ones available, Cam Akers out of FSU. He played behind arguably the worst offensive line in uh, college football for the past however many seasons, three seasons that he played at FSU. I believe... Uh, let me. I'm trying to find it right now. In line yards rankings, FSU ranked in oh 115th overall in the FBS. Mm. So that is not good, folks. There are only a hundred and thirty <laughs> teams in the FBS that were eligible. So we're talking about a guy whose numbers might not reflect his true talent, and he was, I believe, the top prospect out of high school coming in. He's uh, he's capable out of the out of the backfield as a receiver. He's an incredible runner. He has burst. He has literally he has size. He's everything you want out of a running back. But just I think we he might like for two weeks we don't see him fully break out, get like twenty plus carries or whatever, and twenty five touches per game. But he is the guy. Yeah, I could absolutely see the exact same scenario playing out. I mean, the more I watch K Makers, the more I dig into the numbers the more he impresses me, honestly, because like you said, I mean, that FSU line was just horrendous, but uh, 
which is honestly a good thing because transitioning to the NFL, I mean, let's be honest, the Rams' offensive line doesn't look that, you know, solidified right now. So obviously that's something Akers has a lot of experience in uh, playing behind a, a shoddy offensive line. I think that'll help him translate. But like you said, the uh, the whole COVID factor might, you know, slow down the progression there and slow down his potential ability to even seize that starting spot. But is there any um, interesting situation that you, you could see like playing out in terms of any one guy being uh, a factor in a certain role like uh, for example i i wouldn't be surprised to see someone like daryl henderson factor in more as a receiver as opposed to anything else or a guy like malcolm brown potentially stealing some short yardage or like goal line type of carries is there anything that you think like that could happen uh, I do believe we are going to incorporate Daryl Henderson more. He, in my opinion, is more of a change of pace back. He's the kind of guy you give 30 to 35% of the snaps to to relieve Daryl Henderson to work the offense in a different manner than you would. Uh, no, to relieve Cam Akers, my bad. You don't relieve Henderson with Henderson. Uh, yeah, so you bring him in, you give Akers a breather, you use Henderson for a couple snaps. He is explosive. I'll give him that much. But playing at Memphis, I, I've seen enough of his tape. I've seen enough Memphis tape to know they're a gimmick offense. They open up these crazy holes with motion, with jet sweeps, with whatever it may be to allow their talent. Daryl Henderson is a talented running back, but he's not an NFL workhorse. He's not built the way Cam Akers is built, and he doesn't have the same skill set. He isn't as good of a receiver, and he's just... He's not a jag, but he's not uh, like that dude. You're not going to want to give him 300 touches in any given year, but you can utilize him to uh, maybe get a long run out of here and there and hope for that. But he's not a talented enough receiver to rely on him in like two minute drills or in uh, any sort of passing down situation because he's not as much of a threat as say acres or any sort of really talented um, receiving back. He's, a uh he, he's a breakaway back that's what he is that's the best yeah way yeah i see what you're saying someone that could just come in every now and again and kind of just provide a spark here and there that makes sense and while we've got you on the offense me and kev are going to discuss the tight end position and how you could potentially target in your fantasy football draft and whether or not the duo of tyler higby and gerald everett can share the spotlight and tomorrow don't be afraid to stick around because we're going to take a look on the opposite side of the ball We're going to look at the defense's outlook for 2020, some of the comments from defensive coordinator Brandon Staley, and some interesting thoughts from John Johnson as he returns to the field. Welcome back, folks. While I've still got Kev here, we got to definitely dive into one more interesting topic here. Um, I know he's got some interesting ideas as it pertains to the tight end position. I've got mine, obviously. I think probably I vary um, a little bit more than most people in terms of what to expect at the tight end position, but I definitely want to hear what Kevin's got to say because his takes do not lack any sizzle. All right. So Kev, just talk about what you think about uh, the duo of Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. What can we expect out of them? Do you think Higby can maintain that same form and replicate that same production that he had over the final five weeks of that 2019 season? Or do you think it's kind of going to balance out a little bit to that 50, 50 split that they had in those first eight or nine weeks? This is one of the biggest debates on fantasy Twitter. It's honestly ad nauseum discussed. I cannot believe how deep we go into our team's tight end situation. And to be honest, I don't think Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett are going to be on the same team in 2020 or throughout 2020. Maybe they start off, but there's there was a little bit of a 
tweet going on by Gerald Everett about a month ago, waiting on a decision that's already been made, dot, 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 clock emoji, uh, snoring emoji. And, you know, like, I, I do like reading into the tea leaves here. And I do believe that Gerald Everett is basically suggesting that he's not going to play for the Rams this year. He's going to get traded. He's a free agent at the end of 2020. We did draft uh, Hopkins, Bryson Hopkins, I believe is his name. Yep. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, Bryson Hopkins. I mix him up with Bryce Perkins, the quarterback we signed. <laughs> My bad. Uh, we so we drafted him in round four. That's pretty high for a tight end. We were using Johnny Munt a good bit as a blocking tight end towards the end of the year when we weren't using Everett. And it's not a... Uh, I wouldn't say that's much of a knock on Everett, as people like to point out. Everett did have that knee sprain that kept him out for, uh, I believe, two or three games in 2019. And I, we were so out of, far out of true contention at that point. And then we got blown out by the Cowboys and we weren't really much of a factor anymore for the playoffs that we really didn't want to play uh, Gerald Everett and hurt his knee even further. Maybe he was in the plans for 2020, but I don't believe he is the guy. Higby, I don't think he keeps up that production from the end of uh, 2019 where he had four 100-yard games in a row, and then an 84-yard one-touchdown game. He had his least amount of receptions in those. that stretch was seven. That is a ridiculous, historic stretch that we will almost never see again. I don't believe in tight end defense to a certain degree, but he did happen to face up against the Arizona Cardinals twice, who were the absolute worst versus tight ends for fantasy purposes and just general production purposes. The Seattle Seahawks, Cowboys, and 49ers, all of whom were susceptible to tight end production or left cushions for tight ends to produce to focus on running backs or wide receivers or whatever it may be. So he did have easy, uh, a soft schedule, let's say. But but let's not discount what he could have done earlier in the season whenever it was producing. Higby had a lung issue that uh, came up after week one. And he ended up in the hospital, or no, after week two, I believe. He ended up in the hospital, missed week three, and came back and was limited to mostly blocking snaps. So it's a lot up in the air right now. What do you think? Honestly, it's a really interesting situation. I, like I said earlier, I think my way of thinking might be uh, like more controversial. I guess you could say it's more more away from the uh, from the regular line of thinking in that I wouldn't be surprised if they're like splitting down the middle kind of thing because I think something that nobody is really noting but that I noted really early and it's just super interesting to me is that Tyler Higby was signed to a four-year, I believe it was 28 or $29 million contract extension last summer. So right around uh, exactly a year ago. Um, but the thing is, is when the season began, throughout those first 10 weeks, Gerald Everett out-snapped, out-produced, and out-targeted Higby, even though Higby got that extension. So that was really interesting to me. I, I don't think many people made a note of that, um, but it was definitely something that I, I think kind of more so s- showed what the Rams were thinking as opposed to, you know, all the coach speak and everything like that. Because I do think it's a genuine shame that Everett got hurt in week 10 because I think you could really feel and see him starting to slowly develop and kind of, I don't want to necessarily say break out, but you could really see the game kind of slowing down and he was kind of acclimating more to the game as, as opposed to his previous seasons. But um, obviously that week 10, I believe it was uh, the knee injury, like you said, pretty much just derailed the rest of his season. I don't think he played more than uh, seven snaps in any game from week 
12 or 13 onwards. So, you know, I, I, I kind of toss all that kind of stuff uh, aside. Those are final weeks forever. But, you know, like we mentioned earlier, there is a salary cap issue with the team. And making note of that, I mean, it, it is going to be hard for the Rams, obviously, to pay Everett uh, going forward, especially because they already decided to invest in Higby. And so I, I wouldn't be shocked if what you said came true in terms of the Everett not finishing the season with the Rams. But I also wouldn't be surprised if the Rams kind of find a way to incorporate a little bit more 12 personnel and allow Higby and Everett to kind of work together. Because I do think while both players are really good, Everett might offer a little bit of a differing skill set that Higby doesn't necessarily have in terms of the uh, explosion and the uh, and the yardage after the catch ability. But at the same time, I also think Higby does excel um, much more than Everett does as a blocker. So I do think they both have a very interesting role in the offense, but it's it remains to be seen, you know, how Sean McVay may change up the offense and, and if he's even interested in running a little bit more 12 personnel. Yeah, so with uh, I, I just want to go back to Higby getting out-snapped. He played 51% of the snaps in the first game. Uh, he did get a touchdown. And then after the second game, he reportedly was coughing up blood. Uh, this is early September. The reports, he left Sunday's game with what was termed a chest injury and headed to the hospital as a precaution. It turned out to be an injury to his lung that caused him to cough up blood. While he may miss time, it won't be much. This is from Rap Sheet um, on September 16th after the New Orleans game week two. So I wouldn't say it's so clear cut that Everett outsnapped him due to talent. Due to talent reasons, I'd say it might have been the Rams limiting Higby post coughing up blood to kind of not overwork him. He didn't after week one, uh, the most he played up until week 11 when Everett was out, I believe, was 64% of the snaps. That was in week seven when in the blowout against the Falcons. So, and he only had one catch for eight yards that week, one catch for eight yards the next week. So we might've been limiting him as a receiver for his own health. I guess blocking two could take a lot out of you, but I don't, we don't know the full story. I don't think we've gotten too many reports since then, but it is something to consider. Also, I do agree with you. Everett and Higby can coexist. I would like to see us put Everett outside more. I believe you were showing some uh, some clips of Everett running outside, and that would make it easier on someone like Cup to keep playing in the slot, have Woods and Everett outside with Cup and Higby inside, and we could run that twelve personnel and have some explosion on the outside, which we're lacking without Cooks. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Uh, I did post some of those clips earlier this off season, and you know, with with the lack of maybe let's say some explosion or speed on offense because the Rams kind of feel more more like a possession offense at this point without Brandon Cooks, like you mentioned. Um, maybe it would be smart to kind of line up more in 12 personnel and flex a guy like Gerald Everett out because you know oftentimes with his explosion and with his athletic ability, he's probably going to be a mismatch problem for the defense. And so that is an interesting way to incorporate another athlete on the field and, and potentially take advantage of a, a mismatch option there. Uh, absolutely. Uh, his burst scores in the 93rd percentile, his uh, 40 yard dash for a tight end 88th percentile, although it's a four, six, two at his size of like six, three, two forty, That's a lot of man to handle on the outside, especially from bigger cornerbacks. They're going to have trouble with him. If we place him outside, he's had success in the past. So I would like to see Everett utilized more. If we do keep him around though, I do doubt it. It, it is in the cards. So we have some talent at receiver and tight end to mix and match things and really get the most out of this offense. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. That's probably the most interesting thing to note is that 
the Rams have a lot of options. They have options this year as opposed to potentially being behind the eight ball last season. If they had suffered an injury, you know, it was kind of a mix and match kind of thing. I feel like this season it's going to be more, uh, they're going to be more well-prepared for anything that comes their way with how much talent they have in, at pretty much every skill position across the offense. Rams Nation, don't be afraid to check back in with us tomorrow when we talk about defensive coordinator Brandon Staley's philosophy, his thoughts entering the season, and how the defense may be used. Just a reminder, don't forget to connect with us on Twitter. You can find me at QB's MVP. You can find Kev at Rotosurgeon. You can find us at Locked On Rams. Also the Facebook group, if that's the way you go. Please subscribe, follow, get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and all that good stuff. And we'll see you tomorrow.